There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, your Tampa Bay Lightning, they win again this time over the Calgary Flames 6-3. Nikita Kucherov scores a goal and has four points. In fact, six different players scored in this one. The Lightning now 15 points over Toronto in the Eastern Conference. Is this maybe the best they played all season? Well, five on five it might have been. And the Giants pitcher Jeff Samarja says that Rays pitchers should reject the idea of being used as an opener. What do the Rays have to say about that? And does Samarja have a point? And speaking of the Rays, they broke camp with pitchers and catchers in Port Charlotte. Kevin Cash says they're embracing the high expectations. We'll give you the latest from the first day of spring training. And Malik on Twitter, one of our listeners, asked an interesting question. Who is the most talented or best athlete among the Tampa Bay Rays, Lightning, and Bucks? We'll have all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, if, if you're looking for a magical day on the river with the manatees, listen, I've done this. It should be on your bucket list. I've got an offer for you. Um, seven days a week, you should go see our friends and enjoy the, the wonder of magical charm with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. Ask about their $30 manatee bronze tour, and be sure to ask about their free offer for active law enforcement officers and U.S. military. It requires a purchase of two silver tickets and at a regular price, and after that, you're eligible for the free tour. Now, Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company at Kings Bay in Crystal River. It's absolutely gorgeous up there. The weather is turned for us. It is beautiful right now. Get outside. Go see this place. Uh, you're not going to miss it. Ask about their pond, pontoon boat uh, rentals. they got kayak rentals, bicycle rentals, and so much more. So book online now at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352-777-1796. Okay, Steve, so you were at the Lightning's win over Calgary 6-3 to at Emily Arena. Um, I, I must say, and, and we can get into you know sort of how these goals were scored against uh, against the Lightning, but, but overall, uh, and you mentioned this before the podcast, might have been one of the best games they played, particularly five-on-five. Nikita Kucherov, uh, you remember it was like five minutes ago he was in a 10-game scoring slump? Well, no more. He has four points in this one. And uh, six different players I mentioned a minute ago scored. It, it, the Lightning looked as dominant as, as I've seen them. They are so deep. Forget about worrying about the offense at all, even though they went through that little stretch. But, man, if they play like this against, against a team that Calgary – Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you say they were like the best team in the West? They're, they've slipped down a point behind Winnipeg and San okay. Jose right now. They've uh, coming out of their their bye. This is I think their fifth game out of the bye. They've lost I think four of them, but they're a very talented team. They've been the best in the West most of the season. They're you know right up there, point back of the other teams. The Lightning played the way you expect to see them play in the in the playoffs. Mm. Attention to defense, making the smart play to get the puck out of the zone really efficient with their, their pucks. I mean, Calgary did not have a lot of chances. I mean, they scored three goals. One goal is a five-on-three. 
Okay. That yeah, and that that was a questionable penalty to start that. The, I mean, the hooking after that to make it five on three wasn't, but right. um, to start with, they needed. They were up. You know, Lightning was up three to nothing in complete control, and then the the penalty leads to the first. Goal. I never saw what I never saw what Paquette did to warrant that penalty. Um, no one did. The third goal was a, a mistake on the rush on the power play. Okay, mm-hmm. that happens. The second goal, if, if you remember, it was off a face-off, and I believe it was Coburn uh, kind of gloved the, the, the puck, but he gloved it kind of towards the center of the ice, and it ended up on Monahan's stick, who just shot it over Vasilevsky. Those are plays mm-hmm. that just happen. I mean, it's not necessarily bad defense. Maybe Coburn should have swatted the puck towards the middle of the ice, but, sure. you know, those kind of plays. It wasn't like, you know, it was a really bad play or a bad turnover or, you know, that kind of play. So they give up the three goals, but – I thought their structure, I thought the way they played, I thought the way they defended, the way they uh, forechecked and backchecked. Um, this was one of their better games of the year defensively, particularly five on five. I mean, you might, you could say the Colorado game in Colorado, that was a one nothing game that the Lightning won with the Nikita Kucherov goal in the third period. The Colorado game at, at Amelie Arena, which they dominated them seven to one, was another one. But this was one of their best games of the year defensively. And everything they do well kind of showed up. I mean, you know, we mentioned that uh, Kucherov had gone 10 games uh, before breaking through the other night, um, and now he's on this toward streak where he's had, I think, seven points in the last two games. Yeah, so after Saturday, Kucherov was tied now with Patrick Kane and Connor McDavid caught him at 81 points on the season. Mm-hmm. Kucherov's had seven points in the last two games since. So much for that. Yeah, um, so he's now six points ahead of Patrick Kane and seven ahead of Connor McDavid in the scoring race. Yeah. Let me step on the accelerator here for you. They, You know, this was asked of John Cooper after the game, and I thought it was a good question. Actually, Ernest Cooper, uh, I believe, may have asked this question. But how aware – now, we're, we still have a lot of season left, obviously, but as you get into the, the – um, sort of the end of the, of the, of the days here when, when it's clear that they're going to clinch home ice and, and uh, throughout the playoffs, what have you – how aware are the other players on the team of getting a scoring title for a guy like Nikita Kucherov? I think they're very aware. I, I think at this point they're not trying to get him a title. Right. Although, you know, look, in Florida the other night, they're up in the game and they've got a late power play, and they were definitely feeding Nikita Kucherov the puck. Right. Now – whether that was to help him with the scoring title or just because he had been in a 10-goal drought and had a goal earlier but just trying to get him going, I don't know. But yeah. it was they were definitely trying to get him to score that puck and that late power play. And the game was in hand, in hand already. Right. Uh, they're aware. They're very aware. They know all those. I mean, you know, when Ryan Callahan scores the other night or when a player gets to their first, they're very aware of all that stuff. Now, are they trying purposely in a game to do that? Not generally, although late in the game they might. They might try mm-hmm. to feed that. They may try to, you know, get get a player some you know garbage time goal and or, or assist to help them with that. Um, and especially, I mean, look, you still got twenty some games left in the season. You're way too early for that. Although with the Lightning's lead, you can be a little more cavalier yeah, with it. I'm just, I'm just. Uh, it's happened before where uh, I think probably Stamkos was was in that position in the past. Um, but you know, Cooper was saying, I, I guess, you know, if you think about it. You can go through some 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 long days, some dog days with a lead like they have. Just just something else, you know, to to sort of go out and and uh, you know, not not that your your only goal your goal is to win the game, but something to add a little bit of juice to the last week or two when you really don't have a whole lot on the line if they get to that point. 
Well, last year, Connor McDavid, and you know, we heard that out of Edmonton, is, look, they were eliminated from the playoffs with weeks to go, essentially. Sure. And the only thing he was playing for was the scoring title. Absolutely. And he was putting every puck on the net. I mean, he was, it was shooting everything from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Is that was his motivation because the playoffs were out of reach for them, right? So it and, didn't and, matter. And not that he wasn't trying to win games or not help his teammates, but you know he wasn't passing up grade A or grade B chances. He was taking, yeah, because he wanted that title. Because the playoffs are out, so I might as well go for this. Sure, no, it makes sense. And I mean, if Kucherov, if they're playing well, Kucherov is going to be a guy with a lot of assists and and a lot of goals anyway. So I think it would probably happen organically, but. For the rest of his teammates, I'm sure it's something that uh, that they could add as another carrot to the season um, when you're when you're starting to build this kind of a lead. Look, even my wife was saying this: like you watch them play, and you and, and you don't know there's still a lot of season left, and so injuries always play a big part of this, and, and a lot of other things. But man, you can't help but think like this is they are not only the best team in hockey, but I don't know that it's it's close this year, like. And the regular season is not the postseason. It's a whole new – we get it. I, I, I know, you know, teams are, are going to be tough, but this feels like that it has to be a Stanley Cup for them this year. If they execute the way they're capable of, like if they execute the way they did tonight throughout mm-hmm. the playoffs. You they're know, best. And, and look, yeah. they're, you're going to give up some goals. You're going you're gonna to make mistakes. Execute doesn't mean Or you're going to lose games, too, in the but, postseason. I mean, it's going to happen. Somebody's going to steal one. And, you know, goaltender's going to be hot, whatever. But if they play the way they did to, to against Calgary or against some of the other games we've talked about that have been really good, it's hard to envision a team winning four out of seven out of, against the Lightning. That's the key. In a seven-game series, injuries, barring some kind of, you know, catastrophic injuries. Sure. Yeah, even, I mean, Andre Vasilevsky goes down and all bets off. Right. And then Louis Domingue's been very good this year, but he's not Andre Vasilevsky. You, right. You wouldn't want him for an extended period, maybe a game or so uh, if you needed him. But, yeah. Well, you, you might be able that. to win with Louis, but but Andre's much better. Sure. And, I mean, to be honest, I was listening uh, to the pregame show in, in, in Calgary as well as they played this year. They're, they're still not very good in, in terms of how they feel about their goaltending situation. I mean, that's – that's been part of the problem. I mean, Deming, who's allowed almost three goals a game, but you look at his record and you you, you just concentrate on that because he's he's made some clutch saves when well, he needed to. He's made the stops when he games. needed. He's given up some goals that you go, ooh, that, that was yeah. not a good goal to give up. But when he needed well, with the, the saves. game on the line, yeah. yeah, exactly. They're hot. Look, I I think it was reasonable to think that they might come off the All Star break and you know with that many days off and maybe not hit their full stride. But uh, boy. When you see the depth of their scoring, when you see six different players score in one game and, and then the best players play the best, I mean, the classic one-timer, you know, for uh, Stamkos, which just blasted that thing. Um, when you start to see that, that kind of action from their top players, Point doing what he does in front of the net, um, you know, scoring there, it, it just it's, it's a thing of beauty. Uh, it really is fun to watch. And um, so, yeah, this was, uh, this was definitely one of their better games. Okay, so one thing, Steve, that uh, I, I did notice was that Matthew Joseph was not on the ice tonight. Where's, what's his situation? He was sent down to Syracuse. Eric Chernak was out of tonight's game, lower body injury day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Their roster's full. They have no roster spots available. They wanted to call okay. up Jan Ruda, who they got in the trade for Slater Cuckoo, who's a right-handed shot defenseman. They wanted to call him up as a backup, emergency backup. So right. you had to clear a roster spot. 
Well, Matthew Joseph's one of the few players on this team that can be sent down to Syracuse without having to clear waivers. He's got options, as I say, right? Exactly, essentially. So he was sent down to Syracuse. Jan Ruda, by Thursday's game, may be back in Syracuse and Matthew Joseph back, depending on how Eric Chernak is or how they want to make sure the roster is. But they wanted to make sure they had a seventh defenseman for emergency purposes or whatever. I think it's more what they call a paper transaction. I don't even know if Matthew Joseph has left town. It's possible he's still here just and will be reinstated by Thursday. Or maybe it's Saturday. I mean, you know, it depends on how Eric Chernak's injury goes. But the good news mm-hmm. is they didn't put Chernak or Andre Palat, who was out hurt, on injured reserve. So they obviously think Which they're going to be back really quick. There you go, yeah. So Matthew Joseph there didn't you. play tonight. He's technically in Syracuse. I don't know physically if he is. but um, So right. he didn't practice today with the Lightning because you can't when you're on the minor league roster. So it's more of a he's, procedural. He's the only guy yeah. on the roster we could send down, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's good to have guys that still have those – that ability to do that so that you, uh, you know, you don't, you don't waste anything there, but. And that's one of yeah, the reasons they traded Slater Cuckoo and got Jan Ruda is one, he's a right-handed shot defenseman compared to Slater Cuckoo's a left-handed shot. This organization needs right-handed shot defensemen. But secondly, Slater Cuckoo to be sent down to Syracuse would have to clear waivers and he would not clear waivers. Someone would claim him. Jan Ruda, who's up here for a game or two or three, will be able to be sent back to Syracuse and not have to go through waivers. And it's just based on how many years they've been in the league and, and all that stuff. So, Yeah, no, it makes makes perfect sense. So great win by the Lightning, and they are, they are rolling. And where do they head next now? Well, they're home against Dallas on Thursday. Ben Bishop possibly could return to play that game. He's missed the okay. last few games with an injury. Mm-hmm. But Dallas is on a roll lately. They're now uh, in the second wild card spot in the West, and I think they're clear by six points now. Um, they've, been, they've been playing really well lately. And then Montreal comes to town on Saturday. Well, off to a good start in the second half here. And, and like I said, uh, this is we get to see the highlights, one of the best games I think that they've played this year. Wanted to get into a, a question that uh, actually the Rays players and pitchers and catchers, of course, reported to uh, Port Charlotte on Tuesday that they were asked. Jeff Samarja, a Giants pitcher, used to pitch for the Cubs, former Notre Dame football player, as a matter of fact, uh, been in the league for a long time was quoted uh, in the San Francisco newspapers talking about, you know, rejecting the idea of uh, the Rays' use and other teams' use of, of the opener. You know, the concept of, hey, you pitch a guy in the first inning, maybe the first two innings, and then you bring in somebody after that. You play the matchup game. And, and of course, the Rays had a lot of success. And, fa- frankly, other teams are doing it, including the Giants talking about doing it this year, which did not sit well with guys like Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> to say the least, or Jeff Samarja. And Samarja was very outspoken about it. And he threw a little shade, I thought, on the Rays pitcher. I, was, I, think he, I think he kind of crossed the line a little bit. But here's what he said. He talked about, uh, you know, where did the pride go from the player's standpoint? Uh, he said, uh, where were the guys in Tampa Bay saying, no, 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 I'm good enough to go seven innings and get these outs. You don't need to do this. Everybody's just accepting what they're told. He says, as players, we need a little more anarchy. We need to feel a bit more self-moxie, a little more pride about your career and the way you've been treated. And when I came up in this game, I was told by the older guys to value your value, understand what you bring to the team, and let them know that too. Now, I'll say this. I understand where Samarja is coming from uh, in a sense because I think what he's talking about is value. I think what he's talking about is is money. You know, um, You know, what will this do? to the overall value of, of, of pitchers in particular. I also will say that it's awfully easy for a guy like Samarja to say this 
when he's in the in the middle of a five year ninety million dollar contract, okay? And he's a guy that started as a reliever, ended up a starter, actually had to go down to the minors and work out some problems during his career. But we can we can carve this up any way you want to. I'll I'll give you my quick take on it and we'll discuss it here is that baseball has evolved and the object of the game is to win. And the Rays are doing what they feel they need to do to win. And they won 90 games last year. In fact, they were about nine or ten games over 500 when they used the opener, uh, you know, to start those games a year ago. And so, as far as like, where's your pride? I mean, I think you could go back not many years ago where if, if a pitcher didn't throw a complete game, it was an embarrassment. You know, how far do you want to go back? 1879. You know, you had guys throw nine innings every time they went out there. So I think that Samarj, while I understand he's talking more about the economics of the game and maybe sounds a little bit like the get-off-my-lawn guy somewhat, but, but at no time did the Rays say to their top pitchers like Blake Snell, hey, Blake, we're going to throw a guy in the first inning or two and then bring you in. In other words, if you got it, you throw the guy. And, and the same is true when you trade for Charlie Morton. I think Charlie Morton's going to start the first inning, and they're going to let him go as long as he can. Um, they may do that with uh, with Glass now. So plan was never to do this every single night. But I think you know for the Rays pitchers, and if you're if you're a guy like Yarborough, who would come in after the inning or two and won like 14 games. Look, these guys are just happy or were happy at least last year, many of them, to be in the majors, and they'd rather be used in this sense than to not be used and be starting in in Durham. I I kind of I know what Samarj is saying, but I totally disagree with with his uh, his premise that the Rays pitchers should be upset about this. We talked many times last year about, look, this was an experiment the Rays were starting, and all of baseball mm-hmm. was watching. But it helped that outside of Sergio Romo and Chaz Rowe, right. their pitchers that were going to be used in this fashion, I mean, Blake Snell was going to be a starter, Chris Archer was going to be a starter. But the, the, other, the pitchers that they were all using, whether it was to be the opener or to be the guy coming in the second inning and going for five or six innings, were all first- and second-year pitchers that were under team control. And if they didn't want to do it, they were going back to the minors. That's right. That was part of it, and that's part of how they got the buy-in. Now, I'm not saying the players didn't buy in or don't believe in it. I mean, let's be honest, that was a part of the reason it worked so well or had the chance to work so well in Tampa Bay is their whole pitching staff was young guys who, I'll do whatever. I want to stay up in the show. The I don't want, I, I don't want to go back down. Absolutely. They had a buy-in because these guys were happy to be in the major leagues. And like I said, they'd rather work the first inning up here than pitch seven innings in Durham. Exactly. And so, you know, that's, that's a part of the reason that the experiment had a chance to succeed in Tampa Bay. And it exceeded better than I think probably even maybe the Rays thought it might. I mean, if you really asked no Eric Neander no and Bloom, they probably didn't think it would be as successful as it was. No. Um, and credit to credit to Kevin Cash, credit to Kyle Snyder, credit to all those pitchers on the staff. Mm-hmm. That's a, I mean, don't we talk all the time in sports about it's about the team? Team, that's right. I mean, and granted, and I understand Smarge is talking about the money part of it, and, and Justin Verlander's out there complaining about the free agents that aren't signed again this year, and I understand that, and quite frankly, they should blame their own union for the contracts they've negotiated the last two times, including in 2016 when – you know, the players' union was more interested in having personal chefs in the, in the locker room instead of getting more money for the players. Smarge has got an economic point to this, and how are we going to evaluate pitchers and, and reward performance as they enter contract years for these guys? 
I think that's evolving in baseball. I mean, I think with all the stat cast era, a lot of things are evolving in baseball, how we well, value that's, players. That's it totally. I mean, that's it. That That's why there was 100 guys at IMG or 100 guys now that aren't signed as free agents. Frankly, it, it might even be why the top two, top two free agents in baseball and Bryce Harper is not signed yet in Manny Machado just because is the $400 million or the $300 million player really the kind of bang that you want for your buck. I mean, analytics have, have taken over the game, and, and there's a lot of people that are upset about that, um, but there's also a reason why they matter. If, if, if it wasn't, you know, um, some evidence that, that you should pay attention to, to these analytics and that you can win with them, mm-hmm. nobody would be doing them. They've been pretty much embraced and adopted by every team in the big leagues. I mean, if you're the Yankees with a $200 million payroll, and you're winning four or five more games than the Rays, who have a thirty million dollar payroll. You got to ask yourself, am I am I really investing my money wisely? Like what what are they doing that that I should adopt? And and we've seen the Rays do this, you know, many times over with uh, the shifts and different things that are now commonplace in baseball. Look, I don't. I, there's a lot of things. I'm old school. There's a lot of things that are hard for me to accept sometimes. But it's hard also to argue with with the success that they've had, and and they're going against big market teams that can afford to pay three guys mm-hmm. twenty million dollars to start on their staff. The Rays can't do that. I mean, there's going to come a time in the very near future where, when when Blake Snell has a, a Cy Young or two or three, and he comes up, you know, for a big contract. Guess what? They have no shot of keeping him. It, it's just it is what it is, but. You know, Samar just says, he also went on to say he thinks it's, it's a load of crap. He says, you know, listen, if everybody is wearing two left shoes in the league, then wearing two left shoes is going to be the cool thing to do, right? What do you value in this game? To me, it's consistency, running a guy out there every fifth day and knowing the guy like Baumgartner is going to pitch every Tuesday and then Sunday. There's something to be said for that, and there's value. Yeah, there is, and that value is $25 million. Mm-hmm. And if you're Justin Verlander or you're Madison Baumgartner or you're even Blake Snell when he comes up for renegotiation or David Price back in the day, uh, that's the value. You're still going to get your money. If you're capable of going out there every five days and being dominant for seven innings, this does not. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Apply to you. Mm-hmm. Don't be worried if you're that guy. But for the rest of the human beings on earth, they found that there's a lot more pitchers that are capable of getting the first three outs than there are getting the last three outs or even going in, you know, going two times around the order plan accordingly. But I mean, I get it. I, you know, they, they, they're seeing the train coming down the tracks and, and, and it's obviously going to affect salaries and it's going to affect value. You know, one question I do have, Steve, and I'm not sure about this. Will there come a time when some of these pitchers, whether it's, whether it's Yarbrough or somebody else, um, Chaz Rowe, I mean, any of these guys that feel as if, they're established and they're beyond the concept of being an opener. Will they then, instead of being grateful that they're in the majors, have established themselves as good major league pitchers and feel as if, yeah, this isn't for me anymore? Will the buy-in be as be as resolute as it was last year? I think it'll depend on the success of them personally and the team. But 
you know, yeah. look, until they're able to become free agents, it's right. do what you're told or go back. I mean, that's essentially yeah. you know, what happens until, until you can reach free agency, which is what, after six years in the majors? Mm-hmm. I mean, the other part of this, and this is where teams have recalibrated everything, nobody questions Bryce Harper's not worth $30 million a year. The question is, is 10 years from now will he be worth $30 million a year? Absolutely. And every, every, you know, what baseball has learned is every one of these 10-year contracts that they've given out, the, by the end of it, it's, it's an albatross on your organization because the player's not even near, worth that. Owners right. have no problem paying a player $25, $30 million a year. Most, I mean, the teams that can afford it. And they'll pay it every year if the player's worth it. But 10 years from now, what's Bryce Harper going to be worth? I don't know. Right. They don't know either, and they're not willing to risk that. And that's, well, what's, and that's what's happening with these contracts. It's, it's not that Bryce Harper can't get paid $30 million a year. He absolutely can in baseball right now. So te- teams would sign him in a heartbeat to a short-term deal at $30 million a year. No not problem. Not for 10 years. That's right. The 10 that's years right. is the problem. That Teams aren't going to do that anymore because of, you know, we know how performance goes down. Now, if you're 35 and still performing like Bryce Harper does, they'll sign you to $25, $30 million a year. Mm-hmm. Teams have no problem doing that. Right. But they're not going to give out those 10-year contracts, and players don't like it because that's what's happened. I mean, the, the, the value of the contracts got inflated, and it was you're paying – you're going to pay in the future for the success I've had in the past. Mm-hmm. You're paying for past performance, not future performance. And that's teams right. aren't willing to do that anymore. And you can look at the Tampa Bay Rays, who the one player that they did pay uh, and sign him to a long-term deal was Evan Longoria. Mm-hmm. Franchise guy, face of the franchise. Who could imagine Longoria not being a Ray? And he had like $75 million, $73, $75 million left on that deal. And what they do? They, they dumped the salary. They traded him to the San Francisco Giants maybe a year too soon. Maybe not, as it turns out, because of the injuries he had. Had a, had a bad year. His home run numbers have gone down steadily for a while. Was he 33 years old now, I think, going to be? Yeah, somewhere in that range. Um, yeah. Somewhere in there. And now the Giants, who are you know have a new GM who's into the analytics, and that's why this is a discussion in the first place, could not get Evan Longoria out of San Francisco fast enough if he could find out what to do with the 50-something million dollars he still owed that the Rays signed him to that long-term deal. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that was a team-friendly deal. I mean, that he's you absolutely. Know, under what he could have asked for $25 million, yeah. If he'd have waited until yeah, free agency, he'd have gotten a lot more. Oh, sure. Year. But, but the baseball salaries have reca- recalibrated. And, you know, mm-hmm. the players' union, look, you can blame the owners, and the owners are trying to do smart business, and, and they've learned that you don't have to sign $400 million contracts to win. Right. And, and, and the A's and the Rays and the Twins and other teams have proven this over time. It sure helps to have those players that are worth that much. But the players' union has some problems in that the way they've negotiated the, the – the uh, collective bargaining agreements. For instance, the luxury tax that we hear about. And there's a punitive system if you go over it for, you know, the first year you go over it, it's it's 20% tax on whatever you go over. And then the th- if you go over to second year, then it's 30%. And you go over to third year, it's 50%. And if you go over a certain amount over that, then there's more penalties. And so th- the players, by agreeing to that, put in a salary cap, essentially. Because all the teams are diving under it now. Yeah, absolutely. You made they it don't have to, but they're choosing to. And, and some of those right. teams can afford to go over, but they're choosing not to. You've put in a de facto salary cap without getting any revenue sharing in the game to help the other teams raise their, their payrolls. Mm-hmm. The Players Union has done a disservice to the players because they've catered to the veterans that are currently in baseball instead of protecting the future of baseball. 
Yeah, I can see that. And I, and I also see where some of these big market teams that can afford to pay the luxury tax got tired of doing it and, and, and making some of the lower teams more profitable. And, and they were getting beat by teams like the Rays who weren't spending the money. They also discovered that, you know what, maybe these lower, maybe these smaller revenue teams have the right idea and we don't have to spend, like you said, you know, a 10-year contract for $30 million a year. I mean, why is Bryce Harper and Manny Machado still out there? You know, we're about ready to start spring training, and two of the best baseball players on the planet don't have a deal yet. It, now, obviously, they're looking for huge money and, and a long-term, long, long-term deal. I think it's going to become like what football is. Free agency, you're going to find a ton of teams that will say, yeah, I'll sign you for four years, $100 million, let's go. You're not going to have long, long-term deals. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have these 10-year deals. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, pay as you go. I'm not sure that's a, that's a horrible thing for players. Obviously, they'd like to have what's guaranteed. You know, the only thing that's guaranteed in his life is what they'll guarantee you. But I think that's what you're going to end up with. I think you're going to end up with a lot more movement and, uh, and some of the superstars having to settle for, for shorter-term deals. That's just the way it seems to be headed. But, but interesting comments by Samarja and then, of course, um, the Rays uh, sort of standing up and fighting back and saying no. But we'll, we'll see if, if, if it's as successful. You know, there's always, there's always sort of the ebb and flow in terms of I don't know what you could do to your lineup really to, to kind of impact the opener concept because obviously you, you want your best hitters to get up as many times as possible so you're going to front load uh, your lineup for the most part. But um, there's always a counter in there somewhere, and we'll see if the Rays are as successful with the opener as they were uh, last year. And, and ideally, you know, if they can keep some starters healthy, they wouldn't have to use it as much as they did a year ago. They never intended to use it. Well, they were supposed to have once, four starters last twice. season. Right. And That's then, right. you know, one bullpen. Brent Honeywell got hurt. And yeah. Navaldi got hurt apart. right before the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that necessity being, the, you know, the, the mother of invention there, they, they went with it longer and harder than they really wanted to. But it worked and they're going to do it again um, this year. So we mentioned the Rays. They did break camp in Port Charlotte with pitchers and catchers on Tuesday. Kevin Cash uh, had an opportunity to speak and talked about how, you know, they're embracing these expectations. And and I think the one thing he said that was true that that can't be lost is that it's hard to win 90 games in Major League Baseball. I mean, it really is. It's it's one of those things that, uh, uh, you know, you shoot for. You obviously want to win the division. You want to get in the playoffs and and many teams get in it with far less than 90 wins. Uh, not in the American League East, not last year when you had a couple teams win over 100 games. But um, So that's first and foremost. I mean, you know, you can't just say, well, we won 90 last year. We're, you know, pencil us in for 92 this year. It's not like that. You've got to start back at the bottom of the heap. And teams, not that they ever took you lightly before, but let's face it, they got off to, what, a 3-12 and start a year ago. It didn't look like it was going very well, and they – and they made a lot of changes, and I think that was the one thing that was made obvious in the, in the news conferences on Tuesday is that you're not going to see sort of the wholesale adjustments during the year, at the beginning of the year, really all through the year that we saw, you know, in 2018. I mean, I think they feel like if they add, it'll be for the purpose of, of making the push to the postseason. But they're really happy with the club that they have. And the one that they, they, they played – what the last two months of the season, I, I I can't I don't have the record in front of me, but they were they were a hot baseball team. They were very very good. Yeah, I mean they've made some additions, but yeah, the one thing they pointed out is don't expect a lot of trades this spring training like they did last year. Sure, you know they were making a lot of deals during spring training and changing out the roster last season. Um, yeah, all season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, span and all these guys were getting dealt. And, yeah, 
Yeah, they're 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 in definitely in a better place going into to opening spring training as far as the roster is that they I think they like the roster. I mean, they're always looking to say if there if there's a move that could be made that's going to make them a better team or a better roster, mm-hmm. they'll make it. But I don't think they're actively pursuing a lot of deals at this point. Uh, you know, they 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 like the versatility on the roster. There's so many players that can play so many different positions. Um, there's questions of who's going to play first base mostly, and I think you're going to see a lot of different people there. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they like Mike Zanino as a catcher a lot, um, paired with Michael Perez. The outfield, you know, who's going to start next to – you know, you figure Pham and Kiermaier are definitely starters. Will Austin Meadows be a starter? But, you know, they like the roster a lot. And, you know, they're building off of last year, and most of it's back. A lot of versatility and, and a lot of first basemen. <laughs> it's good. It's a log jam over there, man. <laughs> uh, G-Man, I guess, starting with him and, and others. So G-Man, Yanni um, Diaz. Yeah, uh, Nate mean, Lowe, who's a first baseman, you know he sure, got a, he, sure. he was up in September a little bit, but uh, well he you know Daniel Robertson or Joey Wendell's played some first base, you know I mean they move anybody around so, mm-hmm. I mean Jose Alvarado played first base last year for a, a batter so you know who knows well, he did he did you never know what they're <laughs> going to do with that. Um, we've got uh, interviews that we're going to play um, probably some uh, the rest of this week and then all of next week on the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, with their pitching coach, Kyle Snyder. We talked to uh, Charlie Morton, one of the newest Rays starter, of course, from Houston, has had an unbelievable career where he's pitching the best at, um, at later in his career after battling injuries for a good part of it. Of course, got uh, you know one game seven in both the uh, ALCS and then also uh, in the World Series, so not many guys can say that. Um, we also talked to uh, Matt Duffy who I read in the Tampa Bay Times, if you want to pick up uh, the story by Mark Tompkin, and it was in his journal, I think, that, and, and he looked stronger, but the Duffy had gained, he's gained 23 pounds in the offseason. So did I. Yeah, but I, well, I put it on, <laughs> I think, in the last two weeks, but since football ended, but it's not good weight. In this case, I mean, I didn't realize how frail Duffy must have been, but it makes sense, right, when you're rehabbing and just trying to come off that Achilles injury and get through a full season. He completely broke down halfway through the year, uh, and his numbers showed it. He got a fantastic start to the season and then just absolutely trailed off, uh, and, and it was physical. I mean, he did not have the endurance, and so he spent a lot of time, I think he said, in Arizona working out mm-hmm. um, and, and, and apparently eating a lot of meals, about six a day. So we'll have an interview with Matt Duffy, um, and we, we just got – Lots of stuff for you uh, coming forward on the Rays as they as they start pitchers and catchers. And then, of course, uh, uh, most of the full squad is already down there working out in Port Charlotte. So um, it won't be long before they'll all uh, officially report. So stay tuned for that. Hey, good question we wanted to dive into here for a second on uh, from one of our listeners on Twitter. Malik asked this question, and it's a good one, so we're going to discuss it here for a second. Who is the most talented slash best athlete now you could argue those are two different things but who is the most talented slash best athlete uh among among the tampa bay teams i assume he's talking about because he mentions some players uh, yeah, he said in tampa bay race. at the moment so he said is it kucherov yeah. is it blake snell or someone from the bucks he so, thinks so we're, we're gonna, he thinks it's cool let's limit that to the rays the lightning and the bucks okay just for the sake of because i mean you know i don't know maybe there's a guy at usf that's a great athlete i i, I really don't know we'll say we'll say those three main teams the major league teams so the most talented athlete, best athlete, he argued Nikita Kucherov. Listen, <laughs> what's weird about hockey to me is that 
you know, the, the power and speed and agility of these guys that, and then you realize they do it on ice on skates. <laughs> so, it, you know, the rest of the guys are just on their feet, you know, kind of like what you do during the day, you walk on your feet, you, uh, you know, you run on your feet, uh, you do all these things on your feet. Uh, and then, and then also we usually don't carry around sticks that we whack each other over the, over the heads with sometimes. <laughs> uh, so when you add that together, combined with, the athleticism and hand-eye coordination and skill and speed and power. Uh, hard for me to know what even is required to play in the NHL, but I think it's a hell of a lot. Um, I, think it's, I think it's more than the average guy can even conceptually. Certainly I can't because, you know, the only thing, only use I've had ice for is, is in my drinks here in Florida uh, until, until we got a hockey team. And I've, I've ice skated or attempted to kind of glide without falling um, before, and, and it's not something that comes natural. So I will defer to those of you who, who understand and have a better appreciation for hockey, but I would just say I don't even begin to know what, what sort of athleticism it takes to do what these guys do, skating backwards at 100 miles an hour um, with people, you know, trained to, to smash them into a board. Um, so, you know, hockey players are among the toughest uh, the best athletes um, for my for my money, and I guess I guess we can we can tackle the Rays a little bit. I mean, certainly Kevin Kiermeyer is an outstanding athlete. If you're just looking for athleticism, I guess a guy that can run, um, certainly jump, um, you know, hit a baseball. Maybe maybe not to left field as much as I'd like. Um, so I I don't know who else on the Rays would sort of. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of players that are athletic. Um, you know, you think of Willie Adamas and and some of those. Some of the guys like that. Um, I I know the Bucks though, and I will say this about about the Bucks. I think I think one of their best athletes, just sheer athletes, is Mike Evans. Um, mm-hmm. Mike Evans is six foot five, about two hundred and thirty pounds, give or take a few, depending on his shape. Um, who was a tremendous basketball player in Texas growing up. In fact, that was his first love. So, if you've ever grabbed some some high school um, film of him, uh, you know, dunking behind his back and the agility that he had, uh, running the open floor and, and, uh, you know, just, just basketball. I mean, think of him as a basketball player first. And then you, then you, you transition that to football where, you know, he's not necessarily the, the uh, known as a speed guy, but he's way faster than people realize, especially if he gets a free release, he's a strider. He can definitely get behind, defensive backs i've seen him do it against some of the best in the league uh and some of the fastest too and then his hands are stupid when he's not fighting them and he he really hasn't had trouble since his rookie year Um, but his ability to high point the ball we call it you know moss you got mossed you know randy moss was one of his favorite players growing up and and he does have you know that ability especially in the red zone for my for my money with with the consistency of his performance for 1,000 yard plus seasons He's gotten better each year. He had fourteen hundred yards last year. Uh, I think Mike Evans is probably is probably the best. And there are other guys, obviously Levante David or Quan Alexander, guys like that, that can run and hit and do all those things. But I would say it's Mike Evans. So who who do you got now? If you looked at those three three franchises, that uh, and I don't think that Mike is better than Nikita. I don't know. It's a it's a hard thing to measure. I think at times. You well, know? I guess if you're saying the most talented and the best athlete, it's very different. Yeah. Um, you know, I still, That's true. you know, the most talented player in, in, in Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. I could make a case as Andre Vasilevsky. Right? 
Well, that's not bad. He either. might he might be the best goalie in the world. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Well, you're right. And and how many guys on the planet can do what he does? And, and by the right? way, if you're going to say athlete on the Lightning, you might say Headman. Yeah, it's he's six, six, six four, six or six six. As big as he yeah. is, as fluid as he is on the ice and skating, durable, tough. You know, I mean, Nikita yeah. Kucherov may be the best player on the the Lightning. Although I, 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 goalies, you kind of have to put in a different category anyway. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, we had this argument about, what an argument really, but like the Mount Rushmore, and I'm not trying mm -hmm. to drag this into this, but like we used to say that Marty St. Louis might have been on par with Derek Brooks because of this one factor, that they both were the MVP of the league. Mm -hmm. um, so if Nikita Kucherov, and I, I would assume he's in the MVP com conversation, right, if he leads the NHL in scoring. He's definitely, yeah, he's, he's definitely in the conversation this year. Sure. So, if, let's, let's, so if he wins the most valuable player in the National Hockey League, it's hard to – you know, I haven't seen a guy do that with a box. Now, I know it's a team sport, but so is hockey. You know, so that doesn't that put you in a different league in terms of your accomplishment anyway? I don't know if it makes you the best athlete or most talented, like you said, that's, that may be two different things, but that certainly puts you in a different level, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you're considered the best player in the league one year, there's not many guys that get to say that. It's the elite of the elite. I mean, yeah. you're a professional athlete, and you're the best in that, in that sport. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you had the sport. best career, but for one season, you were the best of the best. Yeah. That would separate the argument, I think, a little bit if he were able to win that. Because Mike Evans is not most likely, unless the Bucks were to go to a Super Bowl and he led the NFL in receiving, he's probably not going to win an MVP. Yeah, but even if you led career. the league in receiving, generally your quarterback's going to get that MVP award for you. Good point, because he's going to throw for about 6,000 yards. Yeah. yeah. And I would never say that Jameis Winston is the best athlete in Tampa Bay. Um, he's a good athlete. He's probably underrated, but um, you can make a case a he's he's one of the most talented. He's definitely one of the most talented. Yeah, he you, cuts down you the turnovers. Make, he could be one heck of a quarterback. He could be, and and I and I would say that next to, I don't know, maybe goaltending, which I don't understand again what what what's required there. But the position of quarterback, with all that you have to know and do and react to quickly, is probably one of the hardest things to attempt to do in sport. I would think that goaltending would be up there too, but it's definitely, definitely very high, high level of, uh, of demands both mentally and physically <clears throat> to be able to uh, to perform at a high level, at least in the National Football League. So, good question by Malik, and we have absolutely no answer for you. <laughs> we, no, we might need to think not... about it more. But, but by the way, send in your questions because tomorrow we yeah. want to do a mailbag on the show. So please send absolutely. in more questions like that or anything else on your mind. Or respond to this one if you want to. I mean, if you have an idea who you think the best athlete is, you certainly can do that. And you can do that by uh, both sending the questions and answering this one uh, on, uh, on Twitter. On uh, Twitter, at SportsDateTV is our, is our Twitter handle. And you can reach me at NFL Stroud, or you can email uh, myself at rstroud at tampabay.com. Uh, so good stuff tonight uh, with the Lightning winning, of course, the Rays opening uh, spring training. And, uh, again, we're going to have lots of interviews uh, throughout the week. Send in your mailback questions for us. We'll do that tomorrow. We got uh, Matt Baker later in the week from the Daytona 500. It's Speed Week, baby. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Uh, boogity, boogity, boogity. There they go. That's, it's the world. What I love about NASCAR is they play the World Series first. <laughs> this is like the pinnacle. The, the greatest race is the first one. I have not been uh, to Daytona yet. I've been to Talladega, I think, three times, and I've been to Charlotte numerous times. Oh, wow. But I've never been to Daytona for the race. Talladega I mean, I is just a bunch of wrecks, right? Talladega, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, Talladega, Talladega is an interesting experience. If you like people watching, that's a heck of a place oh, yeah. to go. Oh, I'll bet. 
Daytona 500. So lots of great things uh, in store for you uh, as far as that goes. And remember, if you're looking for something to do on a weekend with, uh, with your kids, with the family, uh, I have done this. Uh, there is nothing like going up there and swimming with the manatees. If you can't swim with them, and, they, and you can do this as a family with children, the whole deal, they'll, they'll hook you up. But they also have all kinds of pontoon boat rentals and different things that you can do up there to float around and just have a great day. Uh, make sure that you uh, go to uh, Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River up there in Kings Bay. You can book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call them at 352-777-1796. So for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Your mailbag tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 